Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show on this Sunday morning. All right, it is 5 o'clock here in the Bayou City. Let's run down to Port O'Connor now. Let's strike up a conversation with Captain Lynn Smith. It's kind of hard to do sometimes. Lynn, what's <laughs> up, bud? <laughs> Good morning. Happy 4th. Let's talk. <laughs> what's going yeah. on down there, man? Oh, man. I don't think I've ever seen this many people in town. I, I bet mean, you can stir them with a stick this morning. Man, it's unbelievable. It really Crazy. is. <laughs> and they had a terrible accident here yesterday. Oh, last no. Night. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, not on the water, but, uh, man, they had, you know, so many people in town and, and right. uh, ATVs and golf carts. And, and uh, they got a golf cart or an ATV uh, T-boned on the highway here. Oh, God. And uh, one person killed and three uh you know, taken by helicopter. So I don't know how that turned out, but it wasn't pretty. No, they, they, you hate to hear that. We had something like that happen in Galveston last year, maybe year before, where a drunk driver hit a golf cart full of people, and it was not oh, pretty. Man. No, not at all. But I'll tell you what, uh, you know, 4th of July week, I, this is my week for my. It's time to duck, <laughs> duck and cover. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, I don't book any trips for this week. I just, I get my daughter down here and, and just spend time with her. She's right. special needs. And and uh, anyway, I ran up to San Angelo to pick her up Monday. Right. And uh, I'm here to tell you what, man. It was, it was so hot, it'd take your breath away. And uh, I went to a service station. I was gassing up my truck and this guy across the pump from me, he saw my decals on my truck. He said, uh, you fish in Matagorda? I said, uh, oh, yeah, we fish. I fish Matagorda Bay in that area. He said, uh, oh, he said, I come down, I fish with Tommy Coons. I said, you're kidding. He said, no. Oh, darn. Said, yeah. <laughs> so, so we struck up a conversation anyway. I said, uh, boys, it's a little bit hotter up here than it is down south. He said, oh, my God. He said, if you looked at your at your temperature on your truck? I said, yes, I did. It was 115. Oh, boy. I mean, 
it just took your breath away. Yeah. Oh, it, that's hot. It was unbelievable. It that's hot. Real. It hot. is. You know, I when, when I when I worked with Goodyear back in my early years, Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, we had a test track out there. I don't even know whether they still have it out in San Angelo or not. But buddy, <laughs> we had we had to go do this uh training thing for a week out there and uh They'd always put us in class in the mornings. We'd do all the classroom stuff, and then we'd go to the test track in the afternoons and watch them test, mm. you know, new product, new tires and production that they're coming out with. And, oh, it was brutal. And I was young then. Oh, I can yeah. only imagine at my age now standing out in that heat, and, you know, <clears throat> that's just crazy. You know what I saw going up there and back? It was so hot. Uh, how much of those retreads off the 18 wheelers I saw on the highway? Oh, all the alligators. <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. That's what, that's what the Cajuns call them. All those uh, recaps, <laughs> you know, the the caps oh, off yeah. the tires call them alligators. Oh man, there were a lot of them on the highway. I guarantee you, they were they were coming off everywhere. <laughs> People don't realize, yeah. you know, tires uh, they build up a lot of heat anyway, and. You know, yeah. a lot of these companies use a triple-tempered process and all that when they're building tires. But if you if you run one underinflated with any kind of load on it at all in this heat, it's coming apart. There's no keeping you it. Better know it. Just, you better you know better, it. You better know it. You better have them inflated to the max. And uh, still, that's not a guarantee in this heat. The heat is just it's destructive to anything. It is. Well, I'll tell you what, I ran out to the pass on uh, Wednesday. I took my daughter out there looking for sand dollars. She loves finding sand right. dollars. Well, we ran out there, and, and uh, i tell you what, there's a lot of uh, Portuguese man-of-wars coming in through the pass. Oh, yeah, it's that time of year, buddy. It is. And i tell you what, I envy the people going to the beach because you know they're going to be in the water, and uh, I bet there are a lot of people getting stung out there. Yeah, and our bays are filling up. They're full right now of stinging jelly. I mean, wading with shorts oh, on. Yeah. It's just, you don't want to do yep. that. You better have some Several good, years uh, ago, I had I, I had some guys coming down from North Texas to fish with me, and, and uh, I told them, I said, guys, I said, now wear some long pants because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of jellyfish in the bay. And, uh, oh, yeah, okay. So one of the guys showed up, and he's a farmer, and he was wearing uh, – uh, old farmer coveralls, you know, with the slits down the side. Uh, oh, goodness. Uh, and I went, oh, my goodness, no, this isn't going to be pretty. And uh, so we got out, and we were wade fishing. Well, it wasn't too long, <clears throat> and, boy, he <laughs> headed to the boat. I mean, one of those uh, hot jellies came by, and those long tentacles got in through those slits on the side. Oh, God. And, buddy, oh, man, it lit him up. It yeah, it will. Up. That's some tender skin right there around your waist and your belly and oh my goodness, love hands. Yeah, well, and all it got that. the it got fire the, you up. It got to his private parts. <laughs> oh, he and, must not had no drawers on. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> well, a lot of those guys that wear those coveralls don't wear drawers on them. Well, I bet he does it next time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, I mean, you don't, you don't want that happening. That's that's go to the no. house. That's go to the high. That's emergency room for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you, I can remember years ago we were down on the beach there when I grew up in Port Arthur, and we were we were down at Sabine Pass, and and uh, there was some little boy, a little boy, cute as he could be, a little cottonhead kid, but those Portuguese man of wars are all down on the beach. Well, he thought it was cute. He was walking along barefooted, and he was stomping them, Uh-oh. and they pop. You know, he was popping them, 
and uh, he was popping those Portuguese men of wars, <clears throat> and he popped one. Well, it popped, and that juice from it popped up and got in one of his eyes. Oh, gosh. Well, they'll take him to the hospital. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, it could probably blind you, I would think. I know a guy that fell off a surfboard into one, hit a big one and right in his face, and it, uh, we had to take him oh, to the emergency goodness. room. That was down in Port Isabel. Oh, my goodness. I can imagine. He There's swelled up to like a toad there. frog, man. Yeah. When I was coming in from the pass, uh, I, I slowed down a couple of times to look at them and see how long their tentacles were. And uh, they had some pretty good ones. Pretty good ones coming in through the pass. Mm. But they were floating everywhere. Man, man. I said, boy, this weekend's going to be ugly. <laughs> I guarantee you, man. There's going to be some people getting really, really stung. They better have some meat tenderizer with them. I guarantee you that. Well, I had Sprinkle a on their customer uh, fished with me a lot, and we were waiting east shoreline one year, and I told him, I said, hey, the, the uh, stinging jelly's bad right now. Oh, man, it's no big deal. They, we got out, and they had shorts on. Oh, The guy with the hairiest legs, I mean, he looks like a, you know, a Wookiee anyway. <laughs> he's covered in mm-hmm. hair. Hey, that stuff's like Velcro to that stinging jelly. I mean, oh, it just, he was, he was miserable, but he oh. stayed with it till he got his lemon trout and got in a boat and, uh, boy, his legs were burnt up. I mean, just oh, on fire. Blistered. I'm sprinkling Adolph's meat tenderizer all over him. <laughs> it was bad, man. Oh, that, I'll tell you what, that's, that's, that's terrible. I guarantee you. I wear long pants. I mean, all the time. You know, when I, I do wait. too. I, I, I I wear long everything now in the sun. You know, I never, I hardly ever wear shorts anymore, long sleeve T-shirts or, you know, microfiber, mm-hmm. whatever's the coolest, just to keep that sun off of you. Well, we can't afford not to. You know, I, I go to the dermatologist. Well, you know, you know we're at our age, we get older, your skin just, it's not as durable as it used to be, even with sunblock. Right. I mean, I, I can still get burnt with sunblock now, and I can put it, put it on three and four times a day. Oh, and I yeah. wear those monkey gloves now to protect the top of my hands. Yeah. Those, those well, work pretty big time. Yeah, we we put on a lot of sunblock, and and uh, I went to the dermatologist. And I, I go twice a year. I'm and, scared uh, to go. They might cut my head off. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably right. But uh, anyway, he uh, he said, well, you got a little spot here on top of your hand. And, and uh, he said, I'm going to take it off and it doesn't look bad, but I'm gonna check it. Well, anyway, yeah, but they cut a hole in you. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, well, he called me a couple of days later. They called me and they said, "Yeah, oh. you need to come in. It's a, it's a carcinoma. It's not a melanoma, but it's a carcinoma." So I said, "Okay." So I went in. And he said, "Well, I'm gonna have to cut a little more out." So I'm sitting there on the chair, and I mean, it wasn't the size of a pea, you know, just a little bitty spot. Yeah, and uh, so I'm sitting on a chair and got my hand out there, and he's carving on it, and uh, he says, "Okay, I'm gonna stitch it up." I said, "Okay." So I'm thinking, at the most, it's gonna be the size of a a nickel, maybe, or dime, about the nope. size of a dime. You know? Wrong. Well, anyway, he stitched it up. I'm just sitting there talking to him, talking fishing, because he used to fish poco, right, off, offshore. And uh, anyway, we're talking fishing and everything, and he stitched me up, and he says, "Okay, I got it." 
Well, I sat back up and I look at my hand and he had cut me clear across my hand. I said, good grief, doc. It looks like I've been in a knife fight, (laughs) you know? He said, well, I had to get it all. I said, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's unbelievable how those, uh, how those carcinomas are, you know? Years ago, uh, bleeding a little spot above his wrist on his, you know, forearm and it's just a little old, well, they got a hold of him. He's still deformed. He's, they filleted him down to the bone and cut that out of there, and you can still see it where it's sunk in right there. Mm-hmm. You know, that was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. And they called well, him back and said, oh, everything's now. good, man. There was nothing to it. And he said, well, what about the rest of my arm? Y'all going to put that back in there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't be too careful. I mean, I really coat my hands now really good with sunscreen, you know. Well, we're, none of us are getting out of this alive. Well, we're that's just, true. Uh, you know, we've just uh, – I remember I, I dislocated three fingers in a softball tournament. This is back when I was young where I slid into second base head first and my hand went up under the bag and I dislocated three fingers and nobody would pop them out for me and I sure couldn't do it. So I went to the emergency room, and the first thing, and she didn't even care about my hand. The nurse goes, oh, you've got severe sun damage. I'm like 35 years old, and uh, huh. and I'm sitting there. I'm wanting my hand fixed, and all she's doing is chewing me out about, you know, my sun on my skin. I'm going, boy, mm-hmm. I'm never coming back here again. Golly, they're oh, the ones man. making the money. I just want fixed. Here's my money. Fix my hand and let me go. Uh-huh. Let me out of here. Steadily chewing on me because of the sun. I said, well, that's what I do. I make my living in the sun, lady. Can't help it. Oh, man. The way life is. That's right. Well, you know, back back when, I mean, way back when, we never put on sunscreen, you know? I mean, no. We put on suntan lotion, you know? I mean, everybody wanted a tan. We used you know, copper tone or something copper like tone, that. Deep, dark tanning copper tone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had to, the, remember all the billboards of the little girl with the dog, the yep. poodle, pulling her uh, bathing suit down? Yeah. yeah. Copper tone. Copper tone. That's what everybody used, you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, we I never still had love the smell of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, no, we never worried about getting sunburned. No. That wasn't a problem. Well, we're paying for it now. We really are. But uh, yeah, I you guess know. it could be worse, yep. man. Oh God, yeah, yeah. But I guarantee you, there'll be some people getting sunburned this weekend. Right. I looked at radar a while ago. It looks like we got some rain out west, kind of coming our way, but it'll yeah. probably dissipate by the time it gets here. Well, they claim it's not going to. They've they've bettered our rain chances for later in the week, so we'll just sit back and uh, try to work it in here. (laughs) Well, Well, we sure need it. We sure could use that. I can't believe, you know, two months ago I was just, I mean, our yards were still soggy and wet, and -hmm. now they're powder dry and cracking open. It's crazy, isn't it? Texas weather, buddy. You know, I didn't knock this break out, Lynn. Hang on a second. Right. We'll talk some more. I'll be right back to you, buddy. All right, man. All right. Well, you know, the Belleville Meat Market, what a great place to shop. If you've never been there, you owe it to yourself. Stop in and check it out firsthand. Special place. This week, they're double featuring their green onion, 
pecan smoked sausage, and their three cheeses, pecan smoked sausage. You can try it before you buy it. Free samples are always available. They're real easy to find. Just uh, exit off, you know, Sealy there on I-10 or Hempstead at 290. Go downtown, look for the big white sign, and they're now serving homemade hot dogs and pulled pork in their barbecue section. They custom process pigs and calves all year long, and you can actually order a half calf or a hind quarter and have it processed any way you like. And they're wild game processing. They're making Vinny dogs and hog dogs. That's homemade hot dogs using your own venison or wild pigs. You can bring something home from your hunt. The entire family can enjoy all year long. The Belleville is celebrating 41 years serving the greater Houston community. That's the Belleville Meat Market, where meat is our middle name. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show. All right, 519 here in the Bayou City. All right, Lynn, we are back, my friend. Good, good. Yeah, I uh, breaks in, buddy. <laughs> oh, I hear you, man. You got to do it. You got to do it. Hey, uh, yeah, well, I meant to tell you, um, I was talking to the ranch manager uh, on the ranch down there at George West, and uh, right. they're going to do some uh, management hunts. Uh, he wants to do a couple of management hunts down there on the yeah. ranch. And uh, I don't know if anybody's interested, but uh, uh, there'll be four man hunts and um, uh, 3,500 a gun for um, four people, um, four people per hunt. So right. um, what they get is one buck and two does per person. And, um, and that's really not bad. These bucks are going to be like eight pointers. And uh, these bucks are big deer, you know. I mean, they feed protein, and uh, we feed protein on these deer, and and uh, they're big body deer. Well, that may be where good... I have to come to get my bucket bucket eight. <laughs> I, I've I've got all my dream deer, all different sizes, except that big giant eight pointer. Yeah, I've been you know, one year my whole life. There's nothing 
man, that's just nothing more beautiful than a giant eight, man. A pretty eight, yeah. I yes. was down there one time. We were we were waiting on customers, and and uh, I told him, I said, uh, man, we got we got a lot of eight pointers. We need we need to get rid of. He said, yeah, we do. He said, uh, uh, I said, you know, this one stand, we got a bunch of eights, and I said, uh, I may use dinner and uh, and look at a few. He said, well, why don't you go ahead and shoot one? And uh, I said, okay. So I eased down to this one stand, and it was breaking day, and I could see some activity. And when it started getting light, there were five eight-pointers chasing one, huh. one doe, back huh. and forth, back and forth. And uh, four of them were broken up pretty bad. They'd all been fighting pretty hard. And they were all big, mature bucks, you know, four-year-old, four to, four to five-year-old bucks. And right. uh, so um, there was one that wasn't broken up. And, um, so I figured, well, buddy, if you stop, you're in trouble. <laughs> well, he finally stopped, you know, he stopped in the road. I spread some corn out there and he stopped. Well, I popped him. And, uh, so anyway, I couldn't get him up on the game hauler. You know, this buck was big and, and, uh, he was 20 inches wide. Right. Know, and didn't have tall tines, but he was 20 inches wide and, uh, it was raining and it was nasty and, and uh, so I had to call this young young man that was helping us at the ranch. I said, why don't you get over here and help me get this deer up on this game hauler? It was on the front of a Suburban, and it was up pretty tall. Right. Man, I just couldn't get him up there. Well, that young guy got over there, and, he, and I told him, I said, I guarantee this deer weighs over 200 pounds. There's no doubt about that. Well, anyway, we we got him up on the game hauler and got him back to the ranch, and, ranch house and got him up there on the scale, and um, – he weighed 235. Good Lord. And um, and when I when I cleaned him, when I when I built when I gutted him out and everything, he had no fat on him whatsoever. I he mean, doesn't he'd run been all the fat no off. Uh, that joker but, uh, was 250 plus before the rut started. I guarantee you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Not a bit of fat on him because he'd been running hard. Uh-uh-uh. I mean, he, he was a big old deer, you know. But all those other deer were just as big as he was, if not bigger. I mean, but they had they had bigger mass and everything, you know, big old chocolate horns on them. And uh, they'd all been running deer hard. Oh, we've got some good deer. I mean, there's got some good mass on them and all that because it feed protein. And, um, and this is a low-fence ranch. I mean, we're high-fenced on two sides. Uh, it's 9,000 9, acres. So um, there's some real good deer. You know, in 2012, uh, we killed the, the third largest Boone and Crockett buck killed in Texas in 2012 on that ranch. And he was only three inches difference than number one. Man, that's yeah. close. close. That's close. No cigar. <laughs> that's it. But, I mean. I think he sent buck, me a picture of that deer. Yeah, I did. I mean, he had short brow tines and short G2s. And, and yet he was only three inches different. I mean, he just one. needed, you know, three or four more inches of brow tines. And, oh, man. Yeah, or G2s. He or, yeah, or G2s, true. That's right. And, uh, I mean, the ranch manager, he took that deer to a Texas trophy hunter show, uh, oh, about two or three weeks later, and he just blew everybody away because of the mass that deer carries all the way out. I mean, for a low-fence ranch, I mean, it's just incredible. But um, but you can see the the genes that 
were carried on that ranch. I mean, you can see it in the deer, you know. And what's amazing is, you know, we fly the ranch every year with a biologist. We, it's an MLD ranch. And uh, so we fly it with a biologist and do a, do a survey and everything. And uh, I knew where that deer hung out. I saw that deer three years in a row, but we couldn't get a shot at him. And uh, every time we flew that ranch, uh, I knew where he hung out, and I was looking for his sheds. And I never saw those sheds from the helicopter. I never saw them. Mm. But uh, you know, as, as strange as you don't, and, but you do see you do see sheds sometimes. But he hung out in this one area, just this one area. Yeah, and, those uh, bigger bigger deer like that, they'll get territorial and they'll just block out a whole area that there that's theirs you know oh, yeah they'll fight other bucks oh, to keep them out of there this is my this is my yeah, backyard buddy you stay out of it oh absolutely now the during the rut buck. but during the rut you know he would travel a little bit would he? i mean he would go yeah he'd go oh he'd cover maybe two or three different stand areas mm-hmm. but maybe a mile you know he would he would travel maybe a mile on that ranch and that would be about it we'd see him in game cameras you know but that would be about it. He'd be chasing does back and forth about a mile area. But uh, but he didn't go very far, you know. Yeah. You know, but somehow when the, rut, when the rut first starts kicking off, how those bucks will travel a long ways to get on a hot doe. Oh, yeah. They want to yeah, be the first. And, you know, like down at Blaine's, I've seen it in the past, you know, hunting down there. You know, I'll hunt one ranch. And uh, you'll see a, a really nice buck that, that you, you know, it's a three- or four-year-old that you're going to let walk. But, I mean, you know he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. And then right. the next day you'll hunt a ranch, you know, as a crow flies from that stand to that other one. It's probably a five-mile, six-mile. And you'll see that same buck at that stand on a hot doe. And, right. Uh, that's that's something how they move around. It just tells you they they, they go where it's right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Or, you know, even that doe could travel that far trying to shake that buck. That's why they run so much fat off of them, man. Oh, sure. They wear oh, down. Oh, yeah. Well, we found, a you know. big old chest you... on them, and you look back, you know, you know, behind their, their rib cage, and they just get all thin in the hocks, you know, in the hindquarters. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we found, you know, as long as you're feeding them protein, they don't want to leave that protein, though. They'll stick True. pretty close to those protein. That's feeders, energy. You know? Yeah, it refuels oh, them. Yeah. You better know it. And uh, this one customer of mine shot this, this buck right at dark. I mean, the, it was getting dark, and he shot that deer, and uh, the deer took off. And and, uh, and we got down. I, I, I tracked him just about 30 yards and lost the blood trail. And we, we had to get a dog on him and. And the dog, uh, we're standing there in the dark, and we could hear the dog running to the deer. And, and uh, I looked at the ranch manager, and I said, Al, that, uh, that deer is coming back. He said, oh, yeah. You know, they run in a circle, and they'll, they'll make a big circle. They'll come back. And uh, that, that deer kept getting closer and closer. Well, we crossed over that pen, that feed pen, and got underneath the protein feeder. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in the dark, we're standing there in the dark, underneath the protein feeder and that deer came running by us the dog hot on his trail and that deer ran by us about probably 30 feet from us 
And that deer had big, tall tines on him, boy. And I mean, he came right by us. I said, you know what? If there had been a ladder on top of that protein feeder, I'd have been on top of it. <laughs> I guarantee you, boy. Yeah, where because, are you hunting this man, morning? I'm hunting on top of that feeder. <laughs> yeah. Well, boy, he came by us running, man. And that dog was hot on his trail. <laughs> boy, boy. Yeah. Anyway, they finally cornered him and got him. But, uh, but man, oh, man. And about a week before that, that that dog man said he lost his best dog because uh, a big old buck was like uh, cornered and got cornered by his best dog, and and that buck drove a fourteen inch time through his best dog. Oh man! Killed his best dog. Yeah. Boy, yeah, you don't hear yeah. that very much. No. Mm-mm. Nope, you, you know, don't. It's weird how those deer, you know, they'll get wounded like that, and you'll get a dog on them, and they'll, you know, and I went through that when I shot that big eight-pointer three years ago or whenever it was at Blaine's, and we had a dog on it, and they, that that thing just kept making a big circle and uh, actually ended up coming back through where I'd shot him, but we had a guy one year that shot one, and they put the dog on it, and uh, finally gave up on it after about 12 hours of tracking it. You know, it just wasn't wounded hard enough mm-hmm. to, you know, for the dog to catch up with it. And the next day, one of the guides for Blaine found that, that deer laying dead not even 10 feet from where the guy shot him out of that stand. He came all the way back to that where he was originally shot and died right there. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That, that is. Yeah, That's usually, crazy, ain't it? Yeah. Usually they'll go to water. You know, yeah. They'll go to a pond. Yeah, if you got a pond, they'll they'll go they'll die in the pond. That's right. That's right. You know, I found uh, I found uh, bucks in, in a pond dead that uh, mountain lions have attacked. You know, they'll they'll be attacked by a mountain lion and uh, and then they'll go to water and die in that water. They're wounded. That's something how they're injured and they always go to water. You know, you yeah. see a lot of that on TV, you know, with all the deer hunting videos and everything. You find a lot of them in oh, yeah. creek, creek beds and, you know, ponds. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, we pulled, uh, well, we pulled one buck uh, there at George West. We pulled one out of a pond that uh, had been attacked by a mountain lion. He was a 15-pointer. Oh, man. Yeah. But, you know, uh, like the biologists would tell me, well, a mountain lion will go after a buck before it'll go after a doe because – a buck will stand a fight where a, a doe will run. Right. You know, so he'll he'll go after a buck first. And, that makes uh, sense. Stand its ground. Yeah. yeah, he'll stand his ground. But uh, we we killed a doe one time during our doe hunts. We were we were trying to uh, harvest does, and uh, uh, I, one of the guys called me and he said, uh, "Hey, uh, pick me up on your way back. I've, I've got two does." And I said, "All right." So I stopped at his stand. And, and we were loading does. Man, I looked and I said, uh, "Man, did you shoot this this doe in the rump?" He said, "No, no, I I think that was just shrapnel from the bullet or something." I said, "What?" <laughs> so we loaded his deer on the game hauler and we get back to the ranch house and we were we were constantly skinning does and we were hanging them up and I hung this one doe up and I said, "That wasn't shrapnel. That's a mountain lion attack." And you could see where the the mountain lion had a hold of this doe, and she had scratches from her neck all the way down to her rump 
where he is hanging on to her. She was running and he was hanging on to her. And as a last resort, he took a chunk out of one of her hindquarters. Oh. Yeah. And she still got away from him. And then we killed him. (laughs) You know, we shot her to stand, but she had a chunk of meat taken out of one of her hindquarters. She was a big old doe. Yeah. You know, we killed a doe one time on this place that weighed over 200 pounds. That is a monster doe. Oh, she was huge. She looked like a four-year-old buck. You know, I saw one like that down there in the Heavenville area years back. Big old, big old barren doe. And I, yeah. I, I guarantee you she was up there, you know, had that 170, 180 look. You know, I saw her walk out of the brush. She looked like a buck. Mm-hmm. put the binoculars on her. It's crazy. Well, the, the uh, biologist checked her, and uh, he said that uh, she had never bred, so she had never put off that scent. Right. And so the bucks had never chased her. Yeah. So all she did was hang around and eat, you know. So she weighed over 200 pounds. I mean, we had her hung up in the locker, and uh, guys from the next neighboring ranch were, were bringing people over there to see her. Crazy. Because she looked, she looked like a four-year-old buck hanging yeah. out. <laughs> That's something you don't see every day. Hang on, let me no. do this one more break right quick, Glenn. I'll be right All back right, at man. you, buddy. All right. Well, I need to take a moment to tell everybody about Boyd's One Stop. They're the home of the supercharged, super slimy powerhouse. Croker's located right at the base of the Texas City Dyke at 227 Dyke Road. And if you're looking for quality live bait for your next fishing trip, look no farther than Boyd's from their tanks. To your live well, that bait's as po- good as it can possibly be. And there's no better way to live your bait than with their oxygen response system. Check them out firsthand at the store. They have them on display. All their bottles, their diffusers, regulators. And if you need more info on it, call Jason Cogburn at 281-701-8107. And when you're by Boyd's, check out all their wild-caught gus shrimp, you know, blue crab, you know, all their different lines of bait and everything else they have there in the store. And if you need more info, you can go to their website, boydsonestop.com, or call the store at 409-945-4001. When you go by and see the good folks at Boyd's, please tell them Captain Mickey sent you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show, 538 here in the Bayou City. All right, Liam, we are back, my friend. All right. Anyway, the uh, ranch manager, he wants to um, he wants to book a couple of hunts there uh, for four guys at a time. And, right. Uh, uh, they can contact me, and, and I can give them the ranch manager's na- number and everything, and uh, he can explain all that. But he wants to do four, four men at a time. That's fully guided hunts. Uh, fully guided meals, lodging, everything. That's that's so, a great uh, deal. 
3500 bucks, three animals, yeah. buck and two yeah. does. There ain't nothing wrong and with that, man. Pigs, you know, shoot right. all the pigs you want. So uh, it's not a bad deal. Uh, lodging, meals, the whole deal. And uh, believe me, there's uh, it's three days hunting, or actually four days, really. I mean, you can hunt, you come in on Sunday about noon, and uh, then you hunt. Sunday afternoon, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday if you need to, but you probably don't need to. Probably not. Uh, no, probably not. So, um, <laughs> plenty of animals. <laughs> I guarantee you that. But, uh, no, anyway, for a low fence ranch, there's a lot of deer. I guarantee I'm you telling that. telling you. That's, uh, yeah. you know, if you uh, take care of your, your property right the right way with, you know, protein and and food and source and all that and got water, you're going to have animals, man. That's right. Well, when they first got that lease, oh, gosh, I don't know, years ago, I, I've been guiding on that place 16 or 17 years. Right. And um, when they first got it, the, the biggest deer they ever killed was a 154. And uh, and now look at it. I mean, you know, like I said, they. Yeah, now that's been 20, managed properly for all these years. And that makes a difference, man. It's just the same oh, way with your fishery. Big, if you manage it properly, you're going to have, you know, trophy fish. Well, that's right. And you, you've got to, you've got to manage it or you, you got to manage the does and the bucks, you know, and, uh, you know, it's an MLD. So it's, you know, the biologist tells you how many does to harvest and how many bucks to harvest every year. Right. And, uh, you know, you've got to, you got to take them out. I had this biologist, biologist was sitting with us one time and, and he said, all right, he said, um, you know, this, this biologist was telling us one time on this ranch at Carrizo Springs, he said, uh, y'all, he said, what do y'all want to see? And, uh, on this place and this friend of mine had that ranch at Carrizo. He said, uh, well, he said, uh, I want to see some big, big deer. You know, I want to see some big deer. And the biologist said, well, do you want to see a lot of eight pointers or, or 10 pointers, or what do you want to see? He said, I want to see some big 10s and 12s. He said, then you need to shoot every eight pointer you see. And I said, wait a minute. You mean you mean every eight pointer? He said, every eight point you see. I'll be darned. And I said, well, just how big an eight point do we shoot? He said, if he doesn't take your breath away, you shoot him. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's what that biologist told me. And I said, hmm, okay. Well, you know, we don't like to do that. But, you know, like this ranch manager used to hunt on the Callahan Ranch. So he meant like all of them, basket, you know, young ones, all of them, huh? All of them he didn't like. But, you know, but this ranch manager used to hunt on the, he managed a big lease on the Callahan. And he said they used to, trap them and everything from the helicopter and tag them and he said he had a he had a customer one time uh, said hey uh there was a buck coming to this one stand had a tag in his ear a number such and such and i'll say he looked in his book and he said oh yeah that's a that's an eight point uh young eight point we tagged uh, like three years three or four years ago and he said uh-uh that, that buck had double drop times. He was, what? Whoa. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, and uh, so you never know. Um, I mean, that deer could turn into something. You know, you just don't know. Right. But, um, but you know, some people say if it's an eight point, it's going to be an eight point from now on. 
I mean, I, I don't know. But if he's a three or a four year old eight point, he's probably going to be an eight point from there on. I think. Right. I, I mean, that's my philosophy. I don't know. But you know, we well, I like seen, looking across the herd. You know, when all them deer are feeding and coming, coming to the stand, and you see all those uh, little two year old ten pointers. That's oh uh, yeah. I even saw a two-year-old 12-pointer one time. I said, man, look at this. Oh, oh he yeah. came from good genetics. Oh, I like seeing that. Yeah, I do like seeing that. Well, young young 12s, yes. Yeah. You know, he's the average Joe would have, would have shot that buck, too. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Oh, way back in the day, we just shot that in a minute and hung oh, him on yeah. the wall. 12 <laughs> points. Got to have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hung him on the wall. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, the only man, deer man. I shot, I end up, I put him on the wall just because of the, you know, he's a beautiful deer, but he was he was a four year old and it was a twelve point, and uh, somebody had already shot it, blew the top of his shoulders out, and he was limping, came out, and mm-hmm. going, man, that's deer's kind of young, you know, I was guessing three to four years old, and and uh, somebody had shot it about <laughs> a month before I saw it. And he was limping real bad on his right shoulder. It messed something up, you know, on the top. It hit him. He just gave him a, just blew his, you know, top of his shoulders out. And it healed over. Mm-hmm. And with my binoculars, it looked white like it was, you know, uh, infected, you know, like pus or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. I told Blaine about it. He said, yeah, go back there this evening. If he comes back out, just go ahead and take him, knock him out. Well, it turned out. I took him, and we got him back, and he had already healed over. I mean, you wouldn't believe the – I mean, it was like a roast they shot out of the back of that deer. They just hit him high. and uh, mm. But he was he was messed up. But, uh, boy, you talk about pretty. You know, about mm. 18 inches wide and 12 points, and, I mean, that deer had some potential. He could have mm-hmm. probably, you know, another couple of years, he'd have been really something – something beautiful it's amazing how they can come back from something like that deer hey they these deer are a lot tougher than we give them credit to be they they're oh, resilient ab- oh absolutely absolutely you know we we had a customer that shot a, a buck that was a drop time buck and uh and uh he he jumped two fences and ran across a couple of fields and and just you know got in the brush and we lost him and uh, five years later, uh, we're doing the survey, and uh, we saw the skull and everything uh, through the brush. Saw it, and I marked it with my handheld GPS, and went back and got it. And uh, it wasn't too bad chewed up, you know. The mice hadn't chewed it up too bad, but uh, anyway, we called the guy that had shot that deer and told him we found his deer <laughs> five years later. Man, isn't and that something? He said, I want it. I want it. So, uh, anyway, we sent it to him. But, um, and it wasn't too bad a shape. But uh, it's amazing. I mean, that deer, that deer jumped two fences. <laughs> and what was, what was unreal was the guy, the ranch manager was sitting with him when he shot him. Well, the deer was standing, staring at him, looking straight at him, which is a terrible shot, you know, to a head on shot. Well, you got you got to be accurate with it. You put it right in the pump house, straight on, yeah. But if you right, hit, right. you know, to the right or left a little bit and take out a shoulder, it it gets ugly, man. 
That's right. And I don't like that shot at all. No, I so, don't either. Broadside no. did if you want to really put one down. That's right. Well, anyway, he, he let him take the shot, and the deer dropped. Actually, he, he hit the ground fell against the fence. He was standing right beside the fence, a, a fence, a barbed wire fence. Right. He fell against that fence and dropped. So uh, there was a bunch of pigs right behind him. Well, he, the pigs ran in the brush, and and uh, ranch manager said, look, he said, uh, get your rifle out this window here, because those pigs will probably come out and come out of this other Sendera down here. You get a pig too. Well, he turned around, got his rifle out this other window. Well, sure enough, pigs came out in this other Sendera running. Well, he dropped a pig, and uh, so boy, they're they're high fiving in the blind. All right, man, you got a drop time deer and a, and a pig. So they they get all their gear together and get the cameras out, climb down out of the stand and go walk over to get the buck and take pictures of the buck, and the buck's gone. Oh, yeah. Well, man, he called me on the, on the radio and he said, he, he called me on the phone. He said, hey, uh, why don't you come over here and help us find this deer? And I said, don't tell me you lost that drop time deer. He said, oh, yeah. God. So we went over and we looked for that deer for hours, hours, never could find him. And he had jumped two fences and got in that thick brush with all that cat claw no. brush. Oh, oh man. man. I came out of there bleeding all over, you know. <laughs> I was bleeding from head that to toe. That cat claw's nasty, man. Isn't it? <laughs> it is nasty. You can't walk in there without coming out bleeding. And uh, anyway, uh, that was unreal. We found that deer five years later. But um, but anyway, uh, that was interesting, though, that we uh, found him five years later. But, um, but anyway... Uh, Anybody interested in, in making one of those uh, hunts, they can call me, and I'll give them that ranch manager's number, and um, and they can contact him, and he'll give them all the info. That that'd be awesome. Just put you a group together and do it. That, uh, yeah, two groups of four, um, four people at a time, and um, and then that that'll work because they'll be fully guided hunts, and um, that that'll work. Awesome. Yeah. That's uh and which ranch is this? The one in George West? Is, yeah, George West. Yeah, that's it's um uh, it's eight eighteen miles out of George West going towards Freer. Yeah. Yeah, I know where that's at. That's uh mm-hmm. and that's not that's not that bad a drive from Houston. No, it's not. And it's on um in Live Oak County. Right. Yeah. Got some good deer. Yeah. That that starts getting down in the area there where the oaks start ending and the mesquite starts beginning. You know, when I'm oh, heading yeah. down south, whole different scenery after you pass up George West heading south. Oh yeah, it all changes. Well, actually, actually, there's two counties that go through the middle of that ranch. It's Live Oak and McMullen. Right. Those two counties have produced a lot of big deer. Yeah. Yes, they have. Well, I've seen some monsters come out of that area. Yes, sir. Really yes, beautiful sir. deer. Oh, but, I'm uh, telling you. You know, you talking about that cat claw a while ago. It reminds me of a friend of mine. All of them that hunt, you know, they have a place in uh, Catula, and one of them shot a mountain lion. And uh, matter of fact, that weekend there was three shot, but uh, Hugh had shot this one, and he ran off. So it was an evening hunt. So. 
he comes back to the camp and they get everybody together and go back in there to find that uh, wounded cat. <laughs> well, they're tracking the blood and, uh, they're down on all fours with flashlights and, you know, headlamps and all that crawling under cat claw and all through that thick stuff. And I'm, you know, they're telling me this story. I'm going, what, what would have happened if one of them would have come face to face with that cat in his, oh, in his domain there, a, a, a cripple, you know, a wounded animal like that, uh-huh. which is dangerous anyway, no matter what kind of animal it is. But, uh, they ended up finding that cat about three o'clock in the morning. And, oh, uh, it had circled back and, uh, you know, got close to the area where it was shot and went across the Sendero on the other side from where it was shot and entered the brush and, and, uh, they found it, but boy, that mm. thing was huge. He had, he had a full body mount made of that. And it is just absolutely a big old oh. giant Tom, gorgeous, man. gorgeous man, 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 that's, uh, well, you know, that's pretty gutsy in the dark, man, going after a wounded oh. cat. That's uh, not me. Well, you know, this uh, that ranch I got on in Johnson City, a friend of mine's place there, he uh, you know, he asked me one time, he said, what kind of game call you use? And when I told him, and he, uh, anyway, he uh, he bought a couple, and he, uh, he gave one to this kid that uh, helped us out up there in Johnson City. Well, he went out to one of the stands. He's using that game call. He saw something coming through the brush, and it was a mountain lion. Oh, boy. And he went, oh, my goodness. Well, he shot this mountain lion just like that. It ran off. Well, <laughs> he started tracking this mountain lion, and he's walking along, and he's tracking it and tracking it, looking down, tracking it. He tracks it right up to a tree, and he looks up in the tree, and there's this mountain lion looking down at him. Oh, boy. Yeah. And uh, I so thought you were going to tell me he looked behind him and the cat was tracking him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he looked up in the tree and the mountain lion was looking down at him. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'll I mean, tell you, I've kid. always been uh, amazed with big cats, you know, especially like in Africa, oh, yeah. you know, you big leopards and, and lions. And and uh, did you did you ever watch that series 1923? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, that that was, you know, Spencer Dutton, you know, he was a you know, a hunter over there and they hired him to uh kill these big cats and that I just love stuff like that. Oh that, yeah. You know when they when he when the leopard hit him head on and he uh pulled his knife out and hit it a couple of times and it turned out that the guy that hired him didn't tell him there was two leopards and one of his tracker buddies got uh got killed by the second leopard. That was uh, that was pretty cool. I like stuff like that. And then when him and his oh, new girlfriend were spent the night in a tree after the elephant attacked their vehicle, and oh man, they got in the tallest tree they could, and uh, that pride alliance was trying to get them. Boy, that was unreal. That was oh. that's some good drama. Can oh, you it imagine? Is. I mean, being uh-huh. uh, being up in the tree, and you got a whole pride alliance trying to come up the tree to eat both of you, and he's steadily mm-hmm. shooting them. That was pretty good. No, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. No, I don't know whether I could hold a gun steady or not. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Once no. the adrenaline takes over, I guess. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. I know this, uh, right, this well, young man. Do what? This, this young man from Canada that helped us uh, on the ranch one year, he uh, 
he he guided bear hunts up in Canada, and he said uh, he had this one man up in a, a tree stand uh, with a bow, and uh, he had a yeah. black bear climb up that tree after him. And uh, he said that guy was all shook up. The guy shot at the bear with his bow, and and the bear ran off. And he thought he wounded the bear. And he he said when he went to pick the guy up, the guy was shaking so bad he could barely crawl down out of the tree stand. Good and uh, he, he was scared to death. Well, about <laughs> a week later, the guy uh, saw the bear, and what it was, it was a female, and she had a cub with her. Well, she was protecting that cub, see. Mm-hmm. And he said she had a scar across her face where the arrow had creased her. Glanced off of it, creased him? Uh-huh. Just, just wow. went straight across her face where the arrow had just crashed her. That was it. So he said Man. he didn't he didn't wound the barrel bear, but he he just scratched her face. But he said that bear was coming up the tree after him. Well, it was enough <laughs> to deter deter the bear and get it to run off anyway, boy. That's yeah. right. He was lucky. Yeah, what happened to but, old Bob? Oh man, he got pulled out of a tree stand and eaten alive by a bear. <laughs> oh boy, you don't want to hear man. stories like that. No, sir. All right, Lynn. Well, hey, if somebody wants to call you about these package hunts, there's two of them you're going to do. Uh, leave yes. your number out there so somebody can get a hold of you. Yes, sir. They can uh, They can get me at uh, 361-935-6833. All right, buddy. Well, it's always good talking to you, Lynn. You have a happy 4th of July, and I'll talk to you next weekend, buddy. All righty. All right, you have a good one, Meg. I'm going to do her. You too, bud. See ya. All right, bye. All right. That's Captain Lynn Smith down in Port O'Connor. It's time for our top of the hour break. National Anthem coming up, and we'll be right back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.